Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Both things going down today. Nice to know there's still a little poetry left in the world. Be careful. You haven't seen everything. Maybe we just see what we want to see. Hello and welcome back to Vice and Easy. This week, I have a very special guest. Kyle, original friend of the pod, is joining us today. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. And I'm extra excited because I know this is your favorite episode. It's very much, yes. My, I would say it's very much my favorite episode, which is probably not a very controversial opinion in the Miami Vice community. It's, I feel like it's probably a lot of people's favorite or up there with it, but definitely, definitely my favorite. I forgot how beautiful this episode was. And then just how, yeah, like you were saying, like it's it's darker than, you know, Phil the Shill. And we kind of, the, season two also has just been a roller coaster of themes. <laughs> like we covered everything. We got more cook holding this episode. We got incest. We got lots mm-hmm. of dark topics. And then, you know, we have Phil the Shill and we have... A little bit of not comic relief, but we have like a lot of uh, visual relief with definitely Miami. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's it's and I think it's so interesting, like starting with uh, not to get into the episode too quickly, but like the volcano erupting and everything like it's just very interesting things that you don't see in other Miami advice episodes, like just random pictures of the sun and things like that. Like it's just is so unique. That's why I was like this. This episode really, I really enjoyed doing the notes for this. Like sometimes it's a little hard to get through, but like that's my first note is like the sun images. I was like, okay, we get where this is going with it. And then so let's start recapping the episode. So first we open up at a quarry in Miami. We see a gentleman walk out of the car, goes to knock on the window. I don't know why I don't have the Cali. Come on, baby, it's safe. I have this. I have the clip number one. It's just me. Baby, it's safe. It's just me. Charlie. So I'm sorry, guys, that I accidentally cut off the Cali Park. That's quite important because as he's knocking on this window, we see guest star Ted Nugent. And I forget how tall he is. He's very tall. And he has he has a very great chest as he loves to show off in this episode constantly. I he actually like all my episodes, all my notes about his outfits, I was like, he really pulls us off. Like, <laughs> yeah, the the hair whips and everything, like yeah. he just he rocks it. He really enjoyed this episode. So this is how we're kind of introduced to him. He shoots the guy, steals his briefcase, then buries the guy's Porsche with his body along it in the sand. Angry young man plays in the background, which is his own song. So I kind of like that marketing. We cut to the, sorry, that was the cold open. Now we cut to the intro. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so, I thought it was so interesting with just the guy at the start. Like, he's just like a, he's just, he, you know, cause you, we know what happens later on, right? Crockett comes into the fold and everything. And obviously it's Don Johnson, but like, this is just like random, like guy off the street. Like, it doesn't seem like, you know, random, maybe random drug dealer or whatever, because of the whole, the scheme and everything. And so it's just, it's very interesting to me that that was their target is someone like, just so random and then they jump up to like don johnson's league so to speak and then two i didn't understand maybe you got this like why did charlie put on gloves like he put on those like little gloves to like touch the briefcase or anything but he's gonna bury everything 
That's so it was like too. Yeah, because he's and he's still in the briefcase. And I guess like maybe not to get any fingerprints on the gun in case he tosses it. But yeah, I was like, we're just gonna bury him in sand anyway. So that's yeah. the whole reason that they meet at the quarry. So and then yeah, like it didn't dawn on me until the second time. I was like, oh, this is their game. Because mm-hmm. he's trying to meet Callie. And it, it didn't when I first watched the episode, it totally went over my head. I was like, oh. And maybe also she's targeting drug dealers because people are less surprised if they go missing. And it's, you know, a little harder to call in missing persons for mm-hmm. someone in that industry. So maybe that's why. I, I mean, it could be. It could be, too. And then, I mean, like you said, angry young men. Great choice. Great and like the, the energy coming out of it when the, it's like angry young men cut and then straight into the drums. Like, I mean, it's like, oh, it's like pitch perfect. Like, it's just great. The timing of the music choices this episode is impeccable. They were just able to like pinpoint like the right transition. That that sun that that the sunglasses don't not to get too far ahead, but yeah. the sunglasses. <laughs> oh man, gets me every time. I made I think I made a gif and took pictures because like this is the most iconic scene probably in Miami Vice. And mm-hmm. then there was another scene too that I also made a gif of of at the bar where Crockett slowly puts takes off his glasses and I was like, "Oh, that's just such a great such a great look like you were mentioning with the wayfarers you have like the old school ones it's just mm-hmm. like oh, so iconic." Oh, but then so after the intro, Crockett and Tubbs are waiting on a rooftop and as we can tell, <laughs> The allegory with the sun being one hottest day of the year. And everybody is sweating profusely in this episode. So I actually looked it up. It was filmed around November 25th to November 30th. Um, It was delayed because of a hurricane. Hurricane Nicole. Was that the one that's going on now? It was it was delayed for a hurricane. So because I was like, November seems a little bit late for that humidity, but I'm sure with the hurricane, it really was that disgustingly Mm -hmm. hot. But yeah, that's like the big kind of like theme of this episode is just heat, heat, heat. And they're complaining about how he hates waiting and he feels like he's a character in a Charlie Beckett play. And then Tom's Mm -hmm. like, wait, how do you know that? Next clip. It's just the waiting. I hate the waiting. I feel like a character in a Beckett play. This one, do you know Beckett? Charlie Beckett, now on the corner of the shoe shine. Writes plays on the side. And then the episode changes completely. We get to meet Callie. Hard it's- shift. Hard shift right into her. I mean, the, the, the saxophones play, blaring. I mean, uh, Crockett takes off the glasses. Check it out. I mean, it's just like, boom, hard shift. I mean, and she looks so good. And the way they shot her of her slowly leaning back, just putting her arms up. What I was thinking, just being a girl, is that she has these metal bangles on. I'm like, wait, wouldn't it be a little toasty to just be baking in the sun? It's some bad tan lines too, right? You know? Yeah, because, yeah, her bikini is so small. Like, it doesn't even have straps. It's a bandeau. And then my favorite is pouring the two bottles of Perrier onto the. Yeah. Who uses spark? I've never seen that. Who uses sparkling water for on on a shirt? Like that's that's so that's so out there, at least to me. I don't maybe you've seen it. I haven't never seen it, but I love it. Like she is like you can she is making what's it called? Full core press. For oh, yeah. and they're just like 100%. eyes across even Tubbs is noticing and Tubbs is just oh like... and I love uh, Tubbs in this whole sequence I, I mean because we know in every episode I mean you know Tubbs he's walking around he's seen girls and he's playing a fake trumpet like he's he's definitely like the horn dog of the two for sure like but especially when Callie goes up there like 
I mean, he's loving. I mean, you know, she's too conservative for you. You know, <laughs> to, I get these occasional urges for stability. You know, and the whole um, what was it? The whole um, you know, hey, you better quit the eye wrap before you strain something. He's like, you know, strain in the right place never hurt anybody. Exactly. <laughs> it's just a- tons of innuendo. Yeah, it is. It is mm-hmm. a wild episode. But I, I can like just as a straight woman, I'm like, wow, like she's just so beautiful, and I don't know how she gets her hair. Her hair isn't matted to her face. Like her hair isn't, that's what I was thinking if you're sweating that much, but she's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Her makeup is pristine. And then, then she makes her proper introduction to Crockett as she walks up. One thing I did notice with continuity is that her shirt is wet. Obviously we saw her pour the two uh, Perrier bottles and then it's mm-hmm. dry when she walks up to Crockett tubs. Um, and she just takes the drink from the server <laughs> Just, 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 and the server is just like, what? Like, whatever. He just goes along with it. He's like, okay, cool. It's Miami. It's definitely Miami. Like, I'm just going to do whatever. Okay. It's going to do back, go back to my job. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely Miami. I hope you don't mind. I'm burning up. Is he asleep? Tell your friend Sonny to come and get me when he wakes up. Okay? Don't worry. I'm immune. I wish I was. And then we can't. We both wrote notes on this. The ice cube. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ice cubes suck. Yes. Apologies to any listeners with the kids around. There should be an explicit tag for sure on this one. But There'll yes, definitely the, be an explicit tag on this yes. one. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, before, before you get into that, too, you mentioned the shirt. I thought it was interesting. There was a there was a sensor issue, actually, with the shirt. So, like, when you look back, like, not to get too indecent or anything, but her, like, the sleeve of her shirt reveals a little too much of her chest so to speak but for some reason like the sensors just completely missed it yeah i noticed that too i was like okay okay yeah this is a very not nc nc 17 but again this was broadcast television 1985 like exactly i'll be hbo or but but i I love i love well callie's you know doing the whole rubbing the ice cube over like if you just go back if if you're listening just go back and watch tubbs's face like if you haven't seen tubbs's face like he is just loving Every second of it, Crockett, you know, Crockett's like, what took you so long? And he's like playing this cool man vibe. Tubbs is just eating it up. Like he cannot get enough of it. And he's just loving every second. Of it. He's just loving life right now. It's amazing. And I took, I think, like two or three gifts of like different stages of her with the ice cube because it's just it's so iconic. And like that is one of the scenes people always remember with Miami Vice. She does it so well. And she's just pushing and pushing and pushing in this like crazy hot way i guess like, has this- it's yeah it's it's not something that i like i mean I'm a, I'm a straight guy like it's not something i would immediately be like oh that's really hot but like if it happened in front of me i probably would be like very much into it like i would be very like intrigued and then yeah i'd be very I mean, intrigued yeah i mean don johnson just slowly grabbing the ice cube don't worry i'm immune and then it's yeah. just like oh it's like oof. It, it is definitely the hottest day of the year for sure in this episode yeah then what I also noticed when Charlie's at the bar and he talks to the bartender, the bartender says, hot enough for you. Mm-hmm. Charlie responds. It's going to be a real killer. 
Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing for sure. And that comes after that comes after the I don't know what the character's name is, but the random guy who the yes. like the accountant, right? Yeah. And that's where we were just talking uh before we started recording about like there's definitely a deleted scene because because it cuts the it cuts to Charlie at the bar and he's just kind of sitting there and he like looks behind his shoulder, right? And then it cuts away and this guy shows up, he's got a gun, and then it you know, Crockett kicks the gun, right? And then he starts running, and all of a sudden it cuts in by the pool and you see he's soaking wet. And then he jumps in the car, still soaking wet, but you never see that, right? And then it cuts back to Charlie at the bar. So I feel like that whole scene with Charlie at the bar was supposed to happen, and then whatever happens in the pool, like they fall in or something, and then goes back. But just interesting to note these kind of like small little things. Yeah, and what I really like, I took a picture as well as she's as um, the gopher, as Crocker calls him, is running by because like everybody's dressed really nicely like there's a very cute peach and white bikini then you have charlie looking good and then what i also made note of is that when the messenger runs out this guy who picks him up has like i guess it's a fade it's kind of when you you know this better (laughs) when you're kind of like at the barber and they kind of do like a little fade but they put lines on the side of your head he has that and he pulls up in it's a Pontiac, right? I think, I think. it's a Firebird. Or it's Firebird. That's right. It's Firebird. Yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. And, and two, like... he comes, that's the guy at the end too, with the, uh, not to, not to get too far, but with the rifle, like I, like the first couple times I watched it, I never picked up on that. I never noticed. I'm going to make a note with that. Wow. Cause he's still got that same like weird fade, like half mullet, like kind of greasy looking hair. Yeah. You go back and look like it's, it's definitely him. So it was some sort of scheme, but I, <laughs> That whole part of the episode gets a little blurry. I'm more I'm more concerned with Crockett and, and Kali and their whole story. Yeah, like this episode is really good for a couple rewatches because every, you you notice different things every time. I actually felt myself feeling more compassion towards Crockett the more I watched it. I think because you know, sorry, I guess I'm spoiling it for everybody, but you know that he's getting set up. Again, you're watching this guy. And what I've noticed with Crockett in every episode, any episode that deals with domestic violence, but I noticed that Crockett is very, very, very protective. And I don't really think they go with it in the backstory, but I'm assuming that probably within his upbringing, that was something he saw, possibly with his mother or sister. So he's very protective of women and he's very protective of battered women. So mm-hmm. that's why I think like this episode like kind of hits me harder and harder every time I watch it. It's like, oh, yeah, they really gosh, do a number bullet, on man. it's it's uh, I mean, they really do a number with Crockett in season two. Like, I mean, he goes to the ringer with I mean, I would say everything in general, but also women, because I mean, after this episode, right, is the is the next one with the flight attendant and, and yep. everything, too, which is like, oh, it's like heartbreaking, too. You know, this this random girl that we've never met before, but Crockett's known forever and then like disappears. Right. But like they, they just like everything in season two they just threw a crock at basically yeah and that one i remember too because he mentions that he's known her for a long time I'm like wait weren't you weren't you married for 10 years Crockett? yeah like, Whatever. i'm gonna suspend that <laughs> yeah he seems like it's he's like... a loyal husband i think he only he didn't step out i think after carolyn left him that's when he became more of a woman i was like i don't think that he has it that makes sense doesn't in him but i was like yeah man like poor guy like he just goes to bring some girl flowers and have a nice date nine sorry spoiling yeah. more episodes for y'all but i'm sure at this point- yeah sorry we're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves here sorry we're gonna get back on track and again miami vice isn't a show that like really requires the spoiler to make it or like a twist 
it's not like lost or anything where it's like oh the whole base like no it's a it's mm-hmm. a serialized until you get until you get to season four at the ending then it gets a little twisty but that's that's much further down the line that's years from now don't i'm excited for season four though because it's especially season four like after dealing with so many like really tough traumatic themes mental illness abuse sexual abuse and i'm like ah you know what i can't wait for crockett and his soap opera days to come (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this and the way uh, I, I, we probably talked about this before but and we, we that's season four talk but the way they handled it i was like oh why didn't they they could have done it so like you know because ratings were drip dipping right and like they, the cliffhanger for season four should have been crockett on that boat and exploding and no one knowing what happens and that whole summer goes right it could be like dallas like who yep. killed jr right JR, yep. or yeah and it could be that whole summer no one knows what's going on and boom season five ratings are booming no they didn't do that they like did the exact opposite they already told you what happened and then the cliffhanger is tubs awkwardly yelling at crockett as he's driving away in a boat so but anyway that's season four we get we get get back to definitely miami obviously so at the precinct trudy is getting once again a fax of all the information i do love how slowly it prints out too and i noticed also i think i took a picture of it a lot of the information is repeated and i'm not sure if they're talking about maria and her husband so it turns out they do a little bit more she gets a little bit more information on maria turns out maria had a couple charges when castillo asked if anything stuck turns out she got immunity for testifying against Clemente. Next clip. Mm-hmm. Senor Clemente is concerned about your security. Well, what does he want? A note from my mother? We're not exactly new at this, pal. Senor Clemente wants Maria Rojas there when he comes in. Comprende? Maria Rojas? I don't get it. Now, so as Trudy was saying that she's a federal witness and we can't touch her, Castillo says that the feds are sending a consultant. This kind of prompts a lot of questions and like a lot of looks from the vice squad. Naturally, and unfortunately, as we'll get to later on this episode. But let's go back to the hotel. So they- Wait, before, before we go back to the hotel, I just want to point out, I mean, Castillo, cool as a cucumber. He's in a full black suit. He's not even breaking a sweat, you know. Crockett, Tubbs, they're all sweating. Switek's walking around in his, you know, uh, his blue tartan pants and his, like, oh, golfer's yeah, the pants, you know. Working. And the AC's not working. He's complaining about Castillo not even breaking a sweat. It's just cool as a cucumber. I, I don't know how because, I mean, back then, suits were really thick. Um, but, I, I mean, mean, we're not – that doesn't look like a – like, that doesn't look like linen or something breathable. That's oh, like... no. No, that's like wool. That's like full-on wool. So, I can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know how, but, you know, Castillo was able to be cool. That's a really good point because that also fits into his personality. Like even when he's angry or upset, his demeanor only slightly changes. Like he doesn't oh, yeah. prone to outbursts or anything. Interesting. Which his demeanor definitely his demeanor definitely changes once we meet Mr. Uh, Joe Dalva in the episode. That's for certain. They really do not like feds. I don't know which writer has <laughs> some kind of beef with them because they always every time a fed shows up, things go haywire. Things go completely awry. Oh, but let's get a little bit, so we'll go back to some sexiness. So when they go back to the hotel, they notice the bartender who was up on the rooftop and they start questioning about Clemente. Obviously, just being a bartender at a hotel, he doesn't have any intel on Clemente, which is very funny. But I do like the bartender because he gets one little dig in calling them the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Clip I, lo- I love that. That was perfect. It was just so subtle and shady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's so it's so backhanded too, and also too. I gotta ask you, like they walk in, and you know Crockett's like, "Ah, oh, it's so hot, I could fry an egg." Like, 
what kind of egg what kind of egg do you think like what style of egg would would be fried on crockett's like forehead do you think it'd be like scrambled over easy i'm thinking like scrambled because you know it's down and dirty really quick but i don't yeah. know I, I don't know if you have any ideas there but it's just that's such a unique really... clip too <laughs> he's like you know, tubs is like i would hope i'm never that hungry like i just wonder what kind of egg how what would the result of an egg fried on don johnson's forehead look like <laughs> i like that i was gonna say scrambled with some spices too like super yeah. quick. Yeah. That's a great question. Something that Elvis would be able to, to eat probably. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's a good way to think about it. And then while we're at the bar, guess who we see? Callie. However, her demeanor's a lot different. She looks a little bit sunken. She's sitting in the corner. She does have a martini with her, not two bottles of Evian to pour on her shirt. Remember me? Please, just leave me alone. Maybe I can help. If he sees me talking to you, it will just make things worse. He walks right to the beach. I will say her outfit is amazing with like that sequin shiny white bikini and the sarong wrap and heels. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and right before they leave, too, I love the cut back to the bar. Tubbs is questioning the bartender for who knows what reason, but... Tubbs just looks and, you know, from the start, Tubbs is like, nope, saying a good idea. He's like, this is she's got bad written all over, but he's like, yeah, let Crockett do his thing. He's got to figure it out. Exactly. And that's like probably your friends are doing the same thing where you're like, well, you're not going to listen to me anyway. So <laughs> I'm going to let exactly. you do your thing. So as Crockett and Callie are talking on the beach, she kind of lays it. I don't want to say lay it in thick, but basically, OK, let's say if I'm watching this for the first time, she's telling him about her bad marriage in this next clip. No, I have nothing here. You know how bad it feels when you wake up and realize you have nothing. You feel so lost. We all get into free fall, Callie. Just gotta ride it out. First thing to do is get away. I've tried that before. He won't ever let me go. I'll help. Why? Do I have a choice? Now, what I do appreciate is that Crockett doesn't push back insensitively, but he is just a logical person. You know, she trying to say this politely but what i don't like is i it's hard especially like with the past couple years with what has happened with women speaking out is that when you do concoct this story it makes it harder for other people to come out with their stories so that's why it, especially watching it the second time around you're like Argh! but you know no i I, I totally i totally i totally get that and that and i love to like crockett you know, you said he kind of pushes back slightly, you know, he said, uh, you know, you got legs, you can walk like still with that Crockett kind of vibe, you know, but he's, he's very much, he's not like, it's not a victim mentality situation for him. Like right from the start, he's very much like, you can do this. Like, he's like, it's more of like an uplifting thing. Cause he doesn't mm -hmm. really know yet. Right. He's like, I don't know if this is a game or not. So I just, I love the fact that, I mean, you know, it's in the eighties. It'd be very easy to write a guy to to play the victim card. Right. But with Crockett, you know, it's not, it's very much like you can, you can do whatever you want, you know, sort of thing. And I, I, I like that. 
I like that too. I like that, you know, he asked her about friends and family and jobs and all that. And, but it seems she always has a very quick answer. Mm-hmm. Almost too quick. Almost. Mm-hmm. It's almost too quick. And then I, there's another, there's another thing too, where I think uh, Crockett says, you know, we all get into free fall sometimes or something like that. And I was like, mm, is that like, I feel like they probably didn't intentionally do that. But just the fact that the last episode is called free fall, free fall? I was like, oh, it's kind of, kind of foreshadowing, you know? I like that another little piece of foreshadowing is that he says, what's your game? And then Crockett, Crockett knew Crockett knew from the start. I think he just, he didn't want to believe it. He knew because he's got the police intuition, right? He knew and guys have been there before. That's probably why one of the reasons why I like the episode so much. He says, I've been there before. And <laughs> you know, you know, like, you know, in your gut when something's not right, you know, but like you don't want to listen to your gut because you want it to be something else, you know? And I think later on in the, what he uh, later on in the episode Crockett says, you know, you see what you want to see or something, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it, it's just very, very well written. Yeah, very well written. And again, it's very relatable. Like all of us, like you said, have done that where you hear and see all these red flags. You're like, oh, it'll be different. It'll be different. It won't. (laughs) (laughs) And also, not that this really ties into it, but it kind of makes me think like everybody who only has crazy exes, they're actually the crazy ex. Not I'm not discounting, you know, in abusive situations, but if it tends to be a pattern, tends to be a common denominator. So that's a that's a life lesson for you youngins listening. <laughs> but it is very sweet. He does say he can help. And they walk off together into this very interestingly decorated beach house, his safe yes. house, the palm leaf bed box. Which, which, if you remember, they were sold on eBay recently. I was like, I was like, man, maybe I should buy those. And then they were like ten thousand dollars or something. I was like, nah, you know, I'm good. <laughs> but I think you talked about that. Weird. Yeah, like in another in another parallel universe where we're multimillionaires. Like, yeah, sure, let's. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll buy that random safe house too and put it in there too. Like that's right on the beach. That's the other thing too. Is like. Is it a safe house? They never really say, right? I'm assuming it's a safe house, but like also like Callie shows up later and Crockett's not there. Like what happens if the cops decide they need to use that safe house? You know what I mean? Or something, you know, it's, I'm like, it's kind of a big, big risk. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe Crockett has carte blanche with Castillo or something. That's what I was wondering. Cause I was like, is there a process for booking it? And like, wouldn't it also need to be manned? Like, wouldn't it have to have protection around it? But then also then it kind of, if you have a bunch of cops standing outside of a house, you're also kind of making it mm-hmm. obvious, but yeah, the decorations, I want to, I don't want to say it's the same bed frame from great McCarthy where Tubbs and Vanessa, it's very similar. Very that's another, you know, that's another episode with a slightly of a, we're not slightly a, a cuckold situation. So it's very, very interesting. This is a very interesting trend through Miami Vice. As you get old, you know, I watched this in middle school first time. I didn't think about anything. I was like, yeah, oh, Crockett Tubbs of school. Yeah. yeah. Now you look and you're like, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in this. <laughs> this is a very sweet clip where Crockett really shows his compassion. Next clip. Sunny conversation. Get you away from a bad husband. You really believe that? I never loved my husband, if that's what you're wondering about. I married him because he said he would take care of me. This is America, sweetheart. Cut yourself free. Find a new town. Get a job. You have heard of jobs, haven't you? And what I really like is that she kind of 
assumes or she, I don't want to say puts on the universe, but she basically says that, you know, the reasons that you brought me here are the same reasons that I came here. And he's actually pushing back and saying like, no, this is actually for your protection. I'm not here to take it a step further with you in that sense. Like he actually is looking out for her welfare, not trying to just hook up with her. So it is even more heartbreaking when this episode mm-hmm. keeps going on because Crockett is doing the right thing and he is putting a lot on the line for someone that he barely knows. For sure. And I think too, like one, I think Callie said at one point, she goes, you know, when Crockett's talking about, you know, you can find a new city, you can get a job. He's like, you have heard of jobs before. Right. And then, you know, Callie goes, men are my job. And immediately I'm like, red flag, red flag, get out of there. Find a new town, get a job. You have heard of jobs, haven't you? (laughs) Men are my job. Well, not really men. One man. One man who will give me what I need. I'll do anything for him. Whatever he wants, whatever he needs. Whatever he needs to want, anything. Anything. You build your life around a man? Yes. Doesn't matter which one. But of course it matters, Sonny. It matters a lot. Does it matter enough to look before you leap? You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. You don't know what you're dealing with. But of course I know you. I knew you from the very first minute I saw you. You're restless. You're hungry. You're lonely. You have dreams. And I can tell it's a little bit scripted because then, like, as he's kind of pushing back and questioning her motives, she's like, oh, like, I see who you are. You're restless. You're hungry. You're lonely. Like, that could be any man. Any guy. Maybe. That's every man ever born who's single, basically. Like, (laughs) Exactly. Because, yeah, I wouldn't really call Sonny Crockett restless. He's very much kind of like a creature of comfort. You know, like he likes his things. He's like a little bit adventurous, but he's really not. So it's like very funny. I was like restless. I was like, that doesn't sound like Sonny at all. So like, it's just a script. Like this is just. But I mean, Sonny takes the opportunity to uh, kiss Callie, which again, I can't necessarily blame the guy. She's a pretty good looking girl. So yeah, I will. I will give him credit. It doesn't go any further in that scene. So I'm like, you know what? No, I yeah, I thought that was. You know, he that was a lot of willpower nice, yeah. because. Yes. I, yes, for sure. And then too, I think, I think, I think like once we get to that point, but like, I think Kylie kind of, kind of likes Crockett a little bit too. Cause she's like, Hey, don't shoot him in the face sort of thing, which I mean, very strange way to show that you like someone, I guess, you know, in hindsight, but like, still, I mean, at least it's something, I mean, it's a, it's a kernel, right. To, to grasp onto. Don't shoot him in the face. I was like, yes, 1985 Don Johnson. You do not want to ruin that face. I get it. Like, <laughs> Well, unfortunately, after kind of the sexiness and the fun of that last clip, we're going to meet Dalva, Joe Dalva, Joe Dalva in this next clip. Exposing a protective witness could jeopardize the entire program, Dalva. We promised witnesses a new identity, safety for life. It's a lock. It's a one time deal. And nobody's going to hear about it. We show him Maria. 
and we reel this guy in. How can you be so sure? Maria Rojas? Why, she's Sergio Clemente's little sister. <laughs> so basically, he is in town. He's chewing his gum incredibly loudly. And in every single scene, I was like, maybe he's quitting smoking or maybe it's like a snow excuse. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. It might be why I hate the character so much, but people chew really loud or like swallow really loud. Like I get it. If you're like eating something, you know, like, I don't know, celery or something like I get it. But like just that, just from the start that I'm like, nope, I don't like this guy. Not one bit. Yeah. And they kind of like zoom in on his face while he's doing that. So it's like, okay, I think they're trying to already per you know get the message out. And yeah, so surprisingly, he wants Clemente to snitch. And basically he makes this point of like from Atlantic City to Chicago to New York. And then Tubbs kind of makes fun of it later. Like he basically thinks that what this one guy on trial is gonna bring down every single mafia and all organized crime in America. Exactly. It's so it's so it's so crazy. And I love too, like First of all, the evil laugh that he has at the end after he reveals that they're uh, related. Like, I'm like, and he's like, oh, uh, dinner on me, uh, the uh, Uncle Sammy Uncle and stuff. Sam. I'm like, this guy is just like, he's just, and, and Castillo's face and the disdain, like he's just standing there, his hands in his pocket. Jalvo says something and he just like turns and looks at him and that, that like Castillo stare. I was like, oh, you know, you know, something's, you know, it's, you know something's going to go bad with this guy. <sighs> Yeah, and I do appreciate Castillo. He basically kind of presses back and saying, like, you know, jeopardizing her safety looks bad for the entire witness protection program. Like, not even focusing on just her, but that the whole point is that they're able to work with people who want to bring down these organizations by offering them witness protection. So once you compromise witness protection, you're making it harder for Vice to do their job so the feds, man. And it's funny. They keep talking shit about the feds this whole episode. I don't... Yeah. Like you said, so there's must have been some writer. Maybe there was some writer on the staff that was like actually on cocaine or something. And the feds busted him and or her. And they're just like, you know what? Screw the feds. We're just going to just shit all over them in every episode. Oh, man. Now we get a really nice scenic scene. This is when Crocodile Tubs are back out on the beach. They're talking about her. And this is interesting Ah, I do not have a couple of unfortunate, but Tubbs says that she's playing a competition game and that something's up. Message. Because yeah, I do appreciate that Tubbs is looking, always looking out for Crockett. Like they do have a very solid friendship and partnership. And I think Tubbs does sometimes get involved in sticky situations, but I think it's Crockett who's a little bit more vulnerable to these situations. But again, like you can tell your friend, like, hey, he's cheating on you. You can provide pictures. You can, you know, tell them. Yeah, Crockett, Crockett's got involved with a lot of, a lot of, I guess, not the best women, right? Because there's that, it was its first season or, or maybe it was second season where he got involved with uh, like the financial accountant lady and then Tubbs got beat up at the stakeout and, yep. you know, that, and he takes his glasses off and everything. I mean, there's been numerous occasions after you know caroline there's been numerous occasions where crockett's just found like one to the next where it's just been like not a good situation in any shape or form yeah and i think i want to say season three it's one with leonard cohen maybe it's the end of season two there's something very similar with that i was like oh crockett man yeah like, Teresa, Teresa in yeah. season three right she's a and she they they couldn't find out she's a the nurse and a, and a drug addict and stuff and so like it's just like oh man crockett like you really know how to pick a man like come on <laughs> 
Well, I love Caroline, but I get it. I get it that him and Caroline, they're just too different. But mm-hmm. yeah, and they never get back together. Spoiler alert. But I, I get it. It wouldn't fit with Cro- Crockett's character arc in the show. I yeah. think if he did get back with Caroline, the show would just end at season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd no longer be able to be on Vice, you know, because they'd yeah. always be in fear of, you know, a guy with yellow sunglasses and <laughs> he's eating, you know, sprinkled donuts coming in and shooting up the house. So you can't, I mean, you can't raise a family on that kind of fear. So that's true. You can't really come back from that. Like that would, yeah. that would permanently scar me for life. I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take some time. <laughs> I am going to see what's this next up. I have it labeled fucked around and found out. This is, oh, this is the dog. Yeah. This is the dog. Oh my God. Okay. So. The Fed just keeps making things worse and worse. So as they're driving down, it's actually this beautiful scene. This scene, this whole episode, incredibly scenic. And they really kind of make use of the highways and the causeways in Miami, kind of like coming down that slope. And the Fed's like, oh, you guys have it so easy in Miami. It's so nice out here. Beautiful scenery, blah, blah, blah. Like basically saying they have it easy, not thinking that Miami in the 80s for a vice cop is probably the farthest thing from Yeah, and I, and I hate it too. He's in the back seat. He's got his like both of his arms up. He's just slouched back. And I love, you know, he starts talking. He's like, you know, I could really get used to this. And he's, you know, chewing his gum and you just see Crockett in the sunglasses. He just like slowly turns and looks and just like, doesn't even say a word. Tubbs, Crockett, they don't even say a word. They're just like, whatever. Like they just keep going. Like it's it's just, it's perfect. Yeah, they just like let him just like let him do it. But so this is a really funny scene in a lot of different ways. So Dalva, I keep wanting to say Salva. No, Dalva and is Dalva is with Crockett and Tubbs at this parking lot. And he's going to meet up with Rojas's attorney. Now, Rojas's attorney, as you'll see in this next clip, has no Fs to give. My client declines to cooperate. She feels it might greatly shorten her lifespan. That's all, folks. Wait a minute. Does she realize what she's doing? Her brother wants to come in out of the cold just to see her after two long years. Look, she's scared enough already before all this happened. Let me talk with her. Sure. She'll call you as soon as you get back to D.C. She's in the car, isn't she? Don't open that door. I love Crockett and Tubbs's face. They're like trying to hold in laughs. And again, another reason not to like Dalva, he's not a pet person. He can't handle dogs. I mean, it's just all red flags for Dalva and um, and Callie this episode. Just all of the red flags are both of them. This is, yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to like, this tagline should just be like red flags. <laughs> the episode. <laughs> oh, speaking of red flags, guess who's reuniting again? So Sunny goes to see Callie and she keeps saying that her husband will follow her and that she can't really get away from it. Sunny says that he'll protect her and being very sweet. Let me make note of this, that it's her apartment they're in or her hotel room they're in. I really like the font too. I took a picture of the font of the room numbers. It's just kind of like a very old school art deco font. I'll put that up on the gallery. Um, But the decor of this building, like the hallway with... It looks like it's kind of like a circle cut out and then backlit blue with, I want to mm-hmm. say, a palm tree on the back. I was like, ah. Oh. It's like a plant, I think, yeah, and stuff, yeah. Because I, re- I remember staring at that as, you know, after Crockett gets, you know, basically his ass kicked and intentionally, which is strangely, like, like, he didn't fight back. So, I mean, he's not thinking straight. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, because my whole thing, I was like, you're a cop, just pull out your badge. You that's what Tuff says here in a minute that's too. What yeah. Says, yeah, and but I guess to be fair, like he's 
he's worried about the bigger picture. But yeah, like what we're saying is that Callie was like, don't shoot him in the face. Don't, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. So we don't. Then he, get, then he kicks the shit out of him, basically. <laughs> like, hey, don't hurt him at all. But uh, he's bleeding from his mouth. And Crockett, who's a pretty tough guy, is like pretty shaken up and like yeah. just stuck in the hallway. Just stuck in the hallway and there's a great shot of him just bleeding. Then there's even a better shot. I made a gif of this of Ted Nugent, Charlie, removing the hat and shaking out his hair. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful shot of that. That's, that should be that. Sh- he should be the poster child for like L'Oreal or something. Like that'd be a perfect hair flip for that. Amazing. I want to have a lot of fun with that gif. I want to put it all over the internet and see what happens. So surprise, surprise. Uh, next time Crockett and Tubbs are hanging out, Tubbs says that Crockett is a magnet for the weirdest women in the Western Hemisphere. I love and it. Then, <laughs> Very true. And then Crockett says that they he feels like they're setting him up. Well, really setting Burnett up again. Yeah. So Tubbs asks, like, why didn't he pull his badge? And oh, so Tubbs also play, put, like plays both sides. He says that if she's being honest, he could make things worse. But if she's lying, you know, you're not. Maybe he's looking to have like more dirt on this guy or to catch him in the act. And she does mention that. The next time they meet, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> Sorry if you're like actually trying to listen to this chronologically. <laughs> we just um, have a lot of passion for definitely Miami and it's, I think it's coming out. So exactly, exactly. But so the reason why they're meeting again on the causeway is that Castillo was going to bring a decoy Maria Rojas to meet Clemente feds upset, but Castillo really wants to protect this witness. Message. So surprise, surprise, Clemente knows what his own sister looks like. And so she's also waiting in the back of, I don't want to say a paddy wagon, but like a like an armored truck, yeah, kind of like an yeah. armored truck, yeah. And so she just kind of like leans forward, pops her head, and obviously he knows that it's not her, and drives off. And at first they're going to kind of keep him, maybe question him, but they realize like they don't have anything if he's not cooperating, so they just let him go. And I love oh. too before before we jump ahead, like can we just say like right, it's supposed to be the hottest day of the year, years or, or the hottest days rather of the year, and these poor police officers are just dripping Drenched. with sweat they're wearing the tight the, the tightest like brown pants that probably have no flex at all in them like i'm just like man these these poor guys and then you got crockett and tubs you know they're in their linen suits and all like cool casual and they're still sweating but these like these poor officer police officers are just and i know i think it showed the best i think there's a picture in the gallery that you might have put up of when Clemente is leaving and you just see the camera pan them and stuff. It's like, oh man, those guys look absolutely miserable. You go back and look at their faces. All of those actors look like they're absolutely hating their lives. Just baking in the sun waiting for them. (laughs) So surprise, surprise, total bust. Now back at the precinct, Tubbs gets a call from Clemente. Clemente says, no sister, no deal. And when Tubbs kind of pushes back on it, you know, like, do you really want to compromise witness protection? Clemente says that he wants to know she's still alive. Interesting, because as we'll get to later on this episode, and he mentions the dancing, that he wants to see her dance again, and that she was the most beautiful dancer, that she would put on dances for him and the family, or I guess just for him after she'd come back from dance school. So that's also something to keep in mind. Yeah, I was getting weird vibes between. Did you notice that? There was some weird, like... uh... Maybe some weird uh, hinky shit going on between the two of them that shouldn't have been, you know, maybe like I got some like incest vibes. I don't know. I don't know if that was just me digging too deep, but I was kind of like, ah, it's kind of like I didn't want to think very about high. it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to think about it. But later on this episode, I, I think it's a thing mm-hmm. because yeah. the anger. Yeah. Like we'll get into it. And like the way he mentioned, like 
the dancing. I was like, yeah, you know, it's proud. It's good to be proud of your little sister. But then, like, uh. so, yeah, it's a little, yeah, it's a little, a little creepy. So unfortunately, I don't like this where the Fed kind of undermines Castillo. He basically calls up, I guess, Castillo's the lieutenant. So I guess the sergeant. Um, And basically kind of like presses on that you know the, and he just he turns dava turns the camera and he's chewing that stupid gum loudly and he just has this like not even a grin maybe it's kind of like just this like shit eating face like he knows and like castillo's like i understand like give him whatever he needs and then he just kind of like you could tell castillo is just fuming right now and he's just like so pissed but he's like i can't do anything he can't do anything his hands are tied and like as much as he was pushing back to the right thing there's nothing we can do. And now let's get it a little bit more depressing. Not really depressing, but now we kind of get to see this again. I had to watch again because the first time I was like, I guess I was texting or something and I wasn't. So they're in the bedroom and Callie's kind of lying down, not really lying down, but like seated um, in a very pretty purple negligee. Then she basically tells Charlie, like, you know, come on, get over with. Let's do it. And Ted Nunes looks kind of hot in the seat. I hate saying those words. But he's just like so tall and skinny and shiny in this scene. And um, so he slaps her and it took me a while. I'm like, oh, this is put on. This isn't a actual act of abuse. This yeah. is. And this is this is like the first. I mean, you kind of get hints of it after Crockett gets, you know, beat up and he just kind of sits down, but you're not really sure. And then this is the the final moment where like, they're like, okay, you now, you know, as a viewer, like this is a game for sure. And I mean, the first time I, I mean, first time I watched this when I was in middle school, obviously like my brain was less developed. I had, I was like, I didn't know for sure. I, I was like, is this a game? Is this for real? Like what's going on? So I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Really well done. Cause it does take like, you have to have like a very keen eye. I think also I have to remember when I was watching this and reruns, like, I guess I would read magazines and stuff while I was watching TV, but it's just now I'm so distracted when I watch TV. So it's nice for my advice. I'm like, okay, you actually have to put your phone down. You actually have to pay attention because there are a lot of, it's the eighties. Like it's meant to give you a lot of information. You actually have to watch the screen. <laughs> Sounds very weird to say today, but like, yes, you actually have to watch it because it's true. Like you miss certain things on the first watch if you're distracted. Oh yeah. And so at this time also Crockett is calling and calling and calling the room. He's really worried mm-hmm. about her. Tubbs is uh, Tubbs is like you know you're losing it, man. I feel like there's a really there's a missed opportunity here where when uh, Crockett leaves, you know he says I say a lot of things uh, I shouldn't or I don't know. He just says I say a lot of things, right? I thought that would have been perfect if he used Kylie's line from earlier in the episode where she's like I say a lot of things, blame it on the heat. Like I would have loved if they did that. Like I don't know why they didn't. Maybe they just thought it was too cheesy or something. I don't know. But like reusing that line again would just further perpetuate the idea she's on his mind he, she's influencing him etc 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 yeah no i 100 percent agree with you i think that they i guess maybe i don't know if it was like a timing issue because this episode i think i noticed was 48 minutes which is like a little bit longer for broadcast mm-hmm. and which i think on- they did on purpose because it, it, it aired on independence day uh yes. this year so i think they might have done it on purpose because they're like oh people are on vacation you know whatever give them a little extra extra episode i don't, I don't know Extra heat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Extra humidity. Now, okay, this scene killed me. And like, so basically we see this beautiful young woman walking home from dance class, also sweating her, <laughs> sweating completely through her outfit. And so the Fed is waiting at her apartment complex and just goes, Maria, Maria. Like, I'm what sorry. A creep. I, not just a woman. If I'm a federally protected witness. Mm-hmm. He's just lurking around in the bushes like a, 
creep. I mean, just, uh, uh, I mean, just, you know, I would like to assume that federal agents in general don't creep around in bushes like this and, and sneak up on, on women, so to speak. Like, and then of course, you know, poor Switek is just kind of in there and he's like, I'm just doing my job. I'm just here. Sorry. Didn't need to scary, but like, Dalva just like and he starts chasing her and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god! Like, and he's not, not announcing himself. Like, I don't, I don't remember mm-hmm. him. I don't remember hearing like, "Hello, I'm a federal agent." No, nope. you can't really be like, "Hello, I'm helping." What was his plan? What was his plan too? Was he just gonna like grab her and like pick her up? Like, what was like? What did you think was gonna happen? Come on, Dalva, like get get with it here. Like, what did you think was gonna happen if you snuck up on like <laughs> a, a woman, especially alone at night when it's dark and it's hot, and she's in the witness protection program in her apartment? Like, like, what would what, what, you, what, what, what was going to happen? Like, of course she's going to run. Like, oh, yeah. She also is not having it. She basically tells him to pound sand in this next clip. Just wants, he just wants to know that you're okay. So he can kill me himself. He murdered my husband. What do you think he wants with me? I testified against him in court. I betrayed him. Just because he's my brother doesn't mean he can't hate me. There'll be a hundred cops there. I promise. I am not going. This also I really don't like is that basically he doesn't outright threaten, but he hints at revoking her protection in some way if she doesn't cooperate. Yeah. Which he gets I down think- on his on his knees and he's like, you're making, what does he say? You're making me very angry or frustrated or something. Something like that. And I'm like, dude, where do you get off? And also, too, when he cuts off Switek, and Switek just kind of looks at him like, all right, dude, like, ah, man, Dalva, most hated character in Miami Vice, I, I swear, <laughs> at least for this episode. This is, this is bad. I haven't disliked a character, a Fed, because like most of the Feds, they just kind of portray them as bumbling idiots, but this is like super malicious, mm-hmm. like that he's so set on just getting Clemente that he's willing to put. This woman who's obviously fearing for her life, because that's what the lawyer said. Like, if she worries that if she meets Clemente, it will significantly shorten her lifespan. Like, she's mentioned that she doesn't want to see him, that she's not going to do it. And so for her to get pressured in, and again, we don't know the whole background. We do know that he killed her husband. We don't know if there's some semblance of incest or an abuse going on. Like, it's just a really icky situation altogether. But I do appreciate uh, it ends where they actually do meet up. And like the Fed says, he's like, there's going to be 100 agents there, blah, 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 blah. You'll be fine. You'll be protected. So he does end up meeting her. And again, like they, there's a ton of cops everywhere. Like it's not like mm-hmm. a surprise meeting. Well, before before this, they get right. Crockett and Tubbs goes their separate way in the precinct, right? So he gets all Crockett gets the the wire up, and I I remember he said yes. that's when he says the 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 line about you know the head and the heart. I'm sure, like to get them together once Rico or something like that. And it's like you know, and you see the sort of foreshadowing in the briefcase. You're not really sure what's going on there. And then um, yeah, and then, like and then a chrome plated briefcase. I forgot to make a note yeah, of it. They like created like I think you have a picture in the gallery but they basically created like a, a bulletproof vest, but through a briefcase basically sort of thing. So, and that's, and that comes back obviously when he, when uh, Charlie shoots him for the first time and probably goes flying, you know, back over the, uh, the hood of the car, but yeah. And then they had that um, Eugenia and Tubbs goes to that guy from the, the hotel yes. and, and stuff. And they ask him like, you know, why does, why does, why does he want to see her? What's, what's going on? And he just says he wants to see her dance again. And again, listeners, if you're listening, like I never understood this because that's what he, he's been saying this the whole time that he wants to see her dance again. That's what he told Tubbs on the phone. 
Phelps looks at Gina like it means something. And then they like leave really quickly in the car. And then when they get to the meetup, they don't like say anything to anyone. They just get out casually and stuff. So if anyone knows like what that was supposed to mean, I don't know. I don't know if you do or not, but like I, for years I've still, I'm like, okay. Like, and then what? Like, you know, that's what I was wondering too, because like, obviously you can see the, um, are they called the point slippers? Like the ballet slippers in her mm-hmm. apartment with a very cute cat. She has like a little orange kitten and you can see her coming from dance class. Like you can tell that this is very much, we don't know if she's a professional dancer, if it's just amateur, but like, yeah. So I, we don't know what that refers to. And then, yeah, like it's such a big deal with this guy and um, the gopher. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting his name. The messenger. Yes. And, yes. and, and oh, Tubbs, wow, totally Tubbs holding his, <laughs> Tubbs holding his shotgun and such a like, haphazard way as he's talking to him like he's got like with one hand and that shotgun's probably pretty heavy he's got like with one hand yeah. it's still on the trigger and he's like got it right against this guy's chest like i mean one i mean they're sweating right so their hands are probably sweaty i mean your finger slips and like boom that, that gopher is no longer a gopher like he does not exist anymore and i didn't see any ventilation or air conditioning in that shed it just looked like a no. metal, metal shed in the middle of nowhere with the telephone mm-hmm yeah, which would probably be extremely hot <laughs> in general, just on a normal day, let alone the hottest days of the year. Oh, my God. And then, oh, so, yeah, when Crockett goes to meet Callie, she says that she told her husband a lie that Crockett or Burnett really wanted to buy the cocaine and that Charlie is willing to sell some of this stolen coke that he mentioned, probably from the briefcase of the last guy that Callie was hooking up with. I'm sorry, I... I told him a lie. I had to. You know, Charlie has this coke, two kilos. I think he stole it. So I told him that you want to buy, that I was working you, so you will buy that coke. That explained what we were doing on the room the other day. And so now Crockett inadvertently has been recruited to meet with Charlie for this deal. And the fact that Crockett is is not, uh, I mean, Crockett Crockett should know by now. He should know. Because he also starts asking, he's like, is it good and stuff? He starts to he starts to become less Crockett and more Burnett. He starts mm-hmm. to fall back into his 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 cover a little bit more, asking if it's good quality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera these sort of questions. So Crockett should know, but I think he's I mean, throughout the whole episode, obviously, he's very conflicted. Exactly. Exactly. But is this is this the scene that we get Ted Nugent out and we get the definitely Miami? Definitely Miami. Yes. The wind, his hair is blowing again. L'Oreal cover ad again. Hair is blowing everywhere. And he goes, definitely Miami. And, then it cut, and that's when that's when he goes into Cali and said, and she he said, don't, don't shoot him in the face. OK, you know, like like that's supposed to be like a sweet romantic gesture, I guess. And he's just like, OK, fine. Like he's like, he doesn't care. But it's very strange. Very strange. Very strange. Very strange. Weird relationship. And yeah, like, I don't know what she I guess she gets money out of it because if he's killing these drug dealers, taking their money and their drugs and their weapons and then keeping her 
at the lifestyle to which you use a custom. Ah, yeah. Okay. I think they just, this is like you said before we start recording. I think this is just their fetish, right? Like this is what they, they're like, uh, they're like an eighties Bonnie and Clyde, but in a much like sicker way. Right. Like they just like going, cause I mean, you know, at the end, again, not to spoil too much, but they find all those cars buried in the sand yeah. and everything. Like this is a thing that they do like constantly. Um, you know, they, they pinpoint, uh, some guy with some money, where they can get some from and then boom. They, I mean, they probably don't have jobs, right? This is probably their it's job. Probably right? She yeah, says their- she says men are her job. And I mean, she knows exactly what to say to Crockett to get him to do what she really wants him to do. So, I mean, I would say she's very good at her job. So, but yeah, such an interesting dynamic. It makes me wonder, you know, like, are there people in real life that are like this? Maybe they're not necessarily killing people, but like, are there like couples that play this sort of game or something? I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't trust anybody, not that I'm single, but if I were, if someone's like, oh, I'm in an open relationship, I would very much want to have like proof or talk to the partner or something so I don't end up in some weird, <laughs> some weird game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, um, I'm not a single guy. Uh, so I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't, I've never been in a situation where I've ever been like, yeah, I want to like sleep with someone else's wife. Like even when I was single, like it just is like, you know, cause it's, I don't know. It's weird. Like to sit in the corner and stuff. It's like, that's just not, I mean, if you like that, cool. I mean, each to their own, do what you want to do, whatever makes you happy. I'm not going to judge you. But like, for me personally, I'm like, Nah, I'm good. Like you can keep that over there. That's fine. I'll, I'll do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all for any expression here, but it's just not something Absolutely. that I could uh, I could trust. I think that's it too because I get hit on a lot by a lot of men with wedding rings. So I think just becoming a little bit jaded bartending for so long, I'm like, you know what? I I wouldn't trust it. Open relationship. I'm like, let me talk to your wife. But even then, I'm like, you know what? Do I want to get into that? Do you want to get into like the whole? <laughs> Oh, sorry. I can't come meet you today. I, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, or they could be doing weird serial killing. <laughs> That's always the risk, right? You're either like, you're either going to have maybe, I don't know, maybe okay sex, right? Cause it might be a little awkward for you or like you're going to get killed or something. Right. So it's like, you're really rolling the dice with those sorts of situations. I feel like, especially if you're on vacation somewhere. Yeah. What's it called? Um, like the cost like opportunity costs point, yeah okay. yeah which point does it balance out to the point where you're like nah it's not worth it i'm not gonna risk my life you know yeah maybe we're too vanilla but yeah this <laughs> yeah that's I, that could be it. and like i said no judgment to anyone else hey whatever floats your boat makes you happy like i'm all for it you should have the freedom to do whatever you want um just for me maybe i'm a little bit vanilla in that way and i'm like i'm good you know i'm good i'm good yeah well even like i've told some of my guy friends they're like oh she's breaking up with the boyfriend this and i'm like you I just say be very careful because number one, like this is also a lot of people get killed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And men, men, I say men and women too. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a combination. I'm sure probably more skewed towards women, unfortunately, which is obviously horrible, but like, it's just, yeah. Crazy time. Anyway, we got on a big tangent about cuckolding and everything here. We really got to get moving on the episode. Oh, my God. Well, I know that Miami Vice season two just uh, no, actually, no, that was season one. Season one was the, the that one, and that was legit. Great. Same great McCarthy. That, yeah. I was like, does he like I think he liked it. But oh, just, he 100% liked it. McCarthy loved it. Loved I mean, it. He got, like, he had, like a little pep in his step and everything, you know, he and just loved it. Just, it and, yeah. And it just like thinking for McCarthy was just like being this powerful man. And then the only time you don't have power and that's mm-hmm. his, that's his well, thing. He's like, he likes uh, giving that up and you know, Tubbs, Tubbs did what he had to do. Right. That's what, that's what, you know, you gotta, gotta do what you gotta do. Tubbs. I get it. You know, you know, gotta do what you gotta do. 
Oh, man. Well, let's change gears completely. So we're going to go now. Maria Rojas is finally meeting Clemente. And in a surprise to nobody, as soon as she started to hug him, because we knew how much she didn't want to do this, she was crying when she got out of the car. Like, she was 100% coerced into this, basically being threatened with her livelihood. In a good-for-her moment, she just takes out this massive switchblade, stabs him right in the stomach multiple times, and says, like, I knew it. I knew he was going to try to kill me. Like, so she... Even though he hadn't moved, she knew what was going to happen, mm-hmm. even whether it was going to be that day or two days from now. But then she gets sniped. And I want to know why, because I think it was Clemente. So I think, that's like, what, yeah, well, yeah, I mentioned before, it's the same guy who was in the car that picked up the gopher at the hotel. It. It's the same guy. So I think the whole time whatever dance or whatever he was saying or something i think he wanted she was right he wanted to kill her the whole time and he was just gonna snipe her and it was gonna be that but i also love too like when um dalva like they hug and before she you know goes all you know stabby stabby on him like dalva's just standing there and he like puts his his hands on his uh, hips kind of smiling a little bit and then like boom it happens and he's like oh and he like runs over and he's like doesn't know what to do like the fact that he had this smile on his face and then immediately it's gone i was like yeah exactly you did this you did this yeah, we're just exactly. gonna take a very short break we'll be right back it's incredible to me because I, I the first time I, I watched definitely Miami, I never noticed this, like I said earlier, but like the guy in the car at the beginning is the sniper. And so it was planned. She was right the whole time. And like nobody listened to her again. You know, women are always right. We have to men have to do a better job overall. Just listening to women. They're always right. It's true. I'm not saying not that Cali. Ironically. It's true. Not Cali. Not well, not That's, Cali. Yeah. yeah. Not Callie, but I mean, in general, you know, good women, let's put it that way, I guess, you know, ones that don't have tons of red flags. Right. But yeah, it's the same guy. Cause he's got that really unique, um, you know, mullet haircut. He just kind of like peers around the side shoots and then he like disappears and nobody sees him. And, you know, Castillo pulls out his gun and is looking around and everything. And then, and then, I mean, you, I would say one of the greatest breakup songs ever. Right. Oh, my God. And what I love about this is that they use the song. So like after the snipe, also, the I didn't realize until you mentioned it. I thought that one of the cops had sniped Maria. I was like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, it's ruthless. Was, well, my, the Miami PD is ruthless. I was like, they're just taking her out of witness protection entirely. That's what I thought. I didn't realize until you mentioned it. And what I like is that they're using the song. So Dalva is sitting down. And he looks really dejected. And honestly, he shouldn't because this is 100% his fault. And so as Cry is playing, Castillo is standing up looking down at him and like this pissed off Castillo face. And it's not anger. Like we said with Castillo, it's just like disappointment. disappointment. Yeah. I'm not mad. Even worse. Yeah, it's the worst thing. It's something your parents told you, you know, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. And then it hurts even more. You'd rather than be mad. And that's and, and I love the low angle too, because it looks like he's just had this huge frown basically. And he's just he's just looking down on him and just doesn't even have to say a word. He just looks and just walks away. And that's that he said everything he needed to say just with that that glare. It's the best. And I do like the ending because there's so little dialogue. Like Castillo doesn't say anything, Dalva doesn't say anything. And Callie, when Crockett finally meets her on the beach, and this is like the super epic scene. Well, wait, we 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 gotta we gotta talk about Charlie and Crockett meeting. Oh, up first. oh my god, I keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. Thank you. Oh yeah, I just wrote it down here. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> so as Cry is playing at the same time, Crockett drives out to the quarry where the other guy's already buried to meet Charlie. 
And he is zooming, zooming in that Daytona. I mean, he is racing in that. And also too, like all the, all the, the, um, the, where the, the, like the power lines and stuff and stuff. You just see the car and the kind of see the heat behind. I mean, cinematography, we mentioned this before, cinematography in this episode is like top notch. It just looks beautiful. Ooh. And also Charlie's outfit is pretty epic in this one. It's like the blue blazer but the kind of like a very low cut tank top underneath and the black slacks. And it kind of reminded me of that meme where it's the guy like kind of dressed as a jester in the pink suit with his hands out. Cause just like the way he's walking. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, just like it's flowing in the wind and stuff. He's showing off his chest, his hair is going everywhere. I mean, he just looks both, both him and Crockett just look at the business. Like, I mean, they both outfits at the end here. I mean, Crockett's got the glasses on. I mean, it's just, it's just pitch perfect. It is. And Crockett looks so amazing and so cool, calm and collected. Because we have to remember, like, it's still this heat wave. But Crockett mm-hmm. isn't sweating mm-hmm. in this scene or in the last scene, which I think is very interesting. So obviously the deal is about to go bust. Thank you, Kyle, for pointing this out. Why we use the briefcase in the first place. So when Charlie shoots at Crockett, Crockett is able to deflect the bullet, gets basically tumbles over the hood <laughs> of the spider. And then Zwitek, I believe, is the one. No, yeah, it's Zito. No, it's Zito. Zito. <laughs> Zito takes down Charlie. Yeah, well, he starts shooting. It's so interesting. Like, he starts shooting at him, and I guess Zito's not a really good shot because he shoots around his feet a couple times. And that's when Crockett comes out and, and I, I wrote down literally my notes. I said, all of the bullets for Charlie because they shoot him like 12 times. At this, and he's just like, oh, 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 like, oh, and like it just falls over. Like, I was like, they like really shot him a lot. Like, they're like, we got to make sure this guy is dead. It is true. And they just leave the body out. In the corner, yeah, they, that- just, yeah. <laughs> they just leave them there. The carcass, like, thanks, Zito. And then I love to, like, when they get, um, this, they get uh, that's when all the cops start to come, right? And they start fighting. He's like, Yeah, hey, I found one over here. I love if you watch, if you watch it back, Zito is like pointing up to the top of the, the quarry and stuff. It's almost like he's bragging to the other cops about what they just did. He's like, Oh, yeah. So I snuck up there and I was like, And then I, I, I blindsided, like, it's almost like he's bragging. It's, it's just very funny. I noticed it. When does Cream start? I believe, no, sorry, Cry. I believe Cry starts. Cry, so Cry starts right after uh, Maria stabby yes. stabs and gets right killed. And then it just plays through the end of the, the whole episode. I want to say it's like five minutes, six minutes. Like it is. Yeah, it's an extended version. There's a specific, there's a, it's like a, it was only printed on, I think, because uh, I really inch? like this song. Yeah. yeah it's 12 inch. Yeah. Because uh, if you go on like Spotify listeners, if you're on there or anything like that, it's a much slower or it's much a less long version. Um, there's a really long version. that's like, I think six minutes or something, yep. which. If you listen to the six, yeah, if you listen to that six minute one, the ending is really, really bad. I would turn it off before the last, I don't know, 20 seconds or something, because it's a very strange ending. But the rest of the song is just like, I mean, it's, as the kids would say, it's a, it's a certified banger. Like I could, I, it's, it's, we need the, the beat and everything and the head bobbing and everything. I mean, like I said, it's one of the greatest breakup songs ever, you know? It's just such an epic song. And the way they use it in this episode, like, like, like we mentioned, they're using it with, Dalva and Castillo. And mm-hmm. then we transition to Crockett walking on the beach solo. And from the distance, it's Ted Nugent, it's Charlie. And then it transitions into Crockett, which is very funny because I'm sure there's like nine inches of height difference in them. <laughs> <laughs> Don Johnson's a little bit shorter than them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and completely different outfits, but it's like a really mm-hmm. cool transition. 
And this scene is so epic. So she's building. Yeah, I love that transition, too. It goes from all the cops finding in the, the sand dunes, all the cars, you know, I have fun over here or whatever. And then it fades into like Callie building the, the sand castles on the beach. And I was like, oh, man, this is just like chef's kiss. Right. And again, that like took me like a, the second rewatch. I was like, oh, burying. Exactly. But I do love her outfit, like the teal sarong and the teal. She's amazing. Again, bang body. And like, obviously, in real life, she was an actress, model, mm-hmm. singer, everything. I really find it so stylistically cool that Crockett is just completely silent. Like, so she comes up to him and let me play the clip. They have beaches wider than this. So why they hurt your eyes? So clean, so pure, so empty. I take you there. I take you to places you never dreamed. As she's saying this, Crockett is just kind of like walking with her, but completely silent, like very much stonewalling her. And then... Not a word. I don't think he even really looks at her. Once he walks up to her, like, I really don't even... Like, he's just stone cold. Like, he's like... You know, doesn't I mean, doesn't look at her, doesn't say a word like and then and then randomly, you know, I guess in real life, like, why would they bring a helicopter just to arrest one person? Like, seems a little overkill, but like thematically, I get it. It makes sense. But like him just not saying a word, it's just it's it's great. It's great. And because she doesn't know what's going on until she hears the helicopter Mm -hmm. and she kind of knows like she doesn't really fight it. But then it's funny that when the cops take her off. Like, yeah, you should, well, well, before before that, the best part, best part of the episode, bar none, is the you know, cry is playing and stuff, and she sees the chopper land, and she kind of looks at him, and he just slowly takes his sunglasses right on, and boom, like, and it's right with a guitar riff, it like times up perfectly, and he just stands there. So I'm like, the coolest fucking scene, probably in my advice ever, is just like. Uh, like I just I can never get enough of it and then of course like you said when she walks away you know she kind of gives kisses him right and kind of like you know says goodbye so to speak and again he's just stone cold doesn't doesn't show any emotion at all and then you know walks away at the cops and then starts you know flirting with that huskier one on the right puts her arm around him and stuff (laughs) you know it's like you know well just back to the game I guess it was it was nothing special it was special to Crockett but not to her I guess Right. And like, I think I also wonder, like, I really like the sunglasses because whether or not he's hiding emotion or whether or not he just doesn't want to be more susceptible to her charms, mm-hmm. like whatever it is, again, stylistic. Oh, I think it's I think it's 100 percent the emotion thing, because when after she goes away in the chopper and he obviously turns and starts walking, you could see like sort of in his eyes out of the corner, like I guess the pain, for lack of a better term, which I mean, it was very dramatic for an 80s TV show. But and then he, when he slowly turns, obviously at the end of the episode, the very end, and it just looks, I mean, you could see, cause he stops, he stops yeah. and he just like kind of looks down and you can just see in his eyes. And I think he didn't want to show that he wanted to hide that completely great ending, you know, zooming out on Crockett. It's not a freeze frame either. It's a rare no. episode where it's and not a freeze frame ending. just alone looking into the water at the beach. You see like- the waves. Yep. It's so good. It's so, I mean, it's like... It's strange because everyone equates this episode as being like one of the best and like something that has every element of what Miami Vice is in it. Really, Crockett and Tubbs are separate for most of them. Mm. Like their rapport is not there. So it's very unique in that way that it's viewed as one of the best because that's something they started doing like season five and, and sort of four. They would split Crockett and Tubbs and that's people didn't like that. They didn't yeah, like the rapport not being yeah. there, right? Exactly. So it's very interesting. But yeah, I th- he definitely was hiding his emotions, I think, in the sunglasses. At least I feel that way. Yeah, because usually for most 
episodes, like when either one of them is going through something, usually Crockett or Tubbs will show up at the end, you know, either they'll walk mm-hmm. away like with, you know, arm around each other. Um, and so this I thought was very interesting that like such a emotional betrayal has happened to Crockett and Tubbs isn't there. And it's not that Tubbs doesn't want to be there, mm-hmm. but it also it just makes it more. It's kind of better that Tubbs isn't in the scene because it's just so much more powerful with yeah, because I mean, what's Solo. what you know? What's Tubbs gonna say? Be like, man, you know, I told you, told man, you so. gotta be careful. Like you told you, you gotta be careful with these women. You know, <laughs> you, you, I told you we're gonna strain something. I didn't tell you why. You know, like I mean, yeah. you know, he's, crazy he's, hot he's scale. Yeah, like- yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, the crazy hot scale like that. He could describe that on the beach. That would be perfect. Just bring up a whiteboard and <laughs> see. Now this is about where Callie is, and you see she's way off the charts here. We need to make sure we don't get a girl like her again. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, I can't think of a better way to end that episode. I think that is 100% no. the best, one of the most iconic minutes of Miami Vice. Yeah. And it's so, it's so, I just, uh, it zooms out and Don Johnson's standing there and his outfit's impeccable. And, you know, again, it's not a freeze frame and you can see the waves in the background and just like executive producer, Michael Mann. And that's it. Like they're not, they don't need to say anything. They don't need to have a, a thing where Crockett or Tubbs goes, come on partner. Like, you know, and then the one Castillo episode, where they're driving away and they have that little bit where he's oh, like, oh, a bar. take me to a bar. Like, no, they don't have any of that bullshit. Like, it's just like raw and real. And they're just like, that's the story. Like, take it or leave it, you know, sort of thing. And I, I love it. Yeah. And it just kind of shows that Crockett, despite being so handsome and despite having all these connections at work, at the end of the day, he's still alone. And I yes, think 100%. Mm-hmm. it just very much speaks to his character and it kind of comes up in the show. Like he isn't supposed to be happily ever after married. He's supposed to be yeah. alone. And I think this episode too, first of all, speaking of Don Johnson being handsome again, I'm, I'm a straight man, but his hair in the end of this uh, episode is like perfect. Like, I don't know how he got his hair to just quaff specifically. It's probably like takes a whole, like a bunch of people to do that specifically there, but like, looked perfect but i think it's so interesting that it brings up that sort of part of crockett where he's always sort of alone or he's not meant to have the happily ever after it also brings up you know earlier when crockett says she's setting me up or actually she's setting up burnett it's that that blend that they always talk about in every episode where their covers become them and they you know get in too deep and stuff so there's like so many as you like watch this over and over again like there's so many layers you can peel back and stuff and i really think that's why I love this episode so much because like I love all the episodes minus maybe like the alien one in season four, but I love all of them. Right. For some reason, but there's just so many layers of different things. Like it's just so well-written and stuff. And again, maybe I'm reading too much into it because I'm kind of a super fan of Miami vice, but to me, it's just, I could watch it any day of the week and I would enjoy it. No. And I think you're hundred percent right. Because like those themes don't come out until you're old enough to realize them. Like, obviously when we're watching, when we're what, like 13, 14, we're just like, Oh, cool. And yeah. Like, can I recreate this in vice city? Like, what can I do sort of thing? Right. Yeah. You don't pick it up. Yeah. And then like, as the more I watch it, I'm just like, wow, like Sonny, I don't want to say alcoholic, but definitely struggles with it. Definitely struggles with some unresolved PTSD and then disappointment in life. Like I think he, doesn't know how to just be himself mm-hmm. and he doesn't know like, who he himself is i think he's lost in his cover like that's the yeah. you know and that that's what they i mean that's what we mentioned earlier like season four when he actually does become his cover right but like 
it's always this back and forth game, right? And, and to your point too about being an alcoholic, I mean, your bartender, like if some guy goes to the bar and says he wants like a double shot of just straight whiskey and he's just going to drink it, you're kind of like, uh, yeah, you want that? You want some water in that? Some ice or something? He's like, no, he's just going to drink it straight. Like, you're like, okay, okay, bro. Like, all right, well, I'm going to give you one and then like maybe that's it. You know, cut you yeah, off. Because Sonny never, except for that, this episode was the only time I've ever seen Crockett have a drink with ice. Yeah, it was like an iced tea or something. Yeah, yeah. probably sweet tea, you know, good old, good old boy, good old boy. Sweet tea, you know, yeah. I always wonder, because he sounds like he was so different in college. And I think, you know, maybe it does also speak to the effects of the Vietnam War. I'm not trying to go like completely off tangent, mm-hmm. but just like <laughs> that it did destroy this generation. And it is this collective trauma of this generation that their dreams and hopes disappeared for this war. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and they're spit on and they're not respected and they're not th- like, yeah. So I just wonder if it was like kind of, and again, I guess that they can't really, if Miami Vice was on today as like a prestige television show, obviously I think it'd be very different and I don't think it'd be as good. I kind of like that. Mm. A lot of this stuff is very subtle and it takes, yeah. because I don't think it would be as enjoyable if they're just beating us over the head with, you know, Crockett's PTSD and alcoholism. Like we also want to have fun. We want to see beautiful yeah. people. We want to see... <laughs> gators you know eating dog food we want to have or records yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that i think your 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 point is is proven already because you know obviously i'm a big fan of 80s and stuff in general but some of my favorite movies are the lethal weapon movies i like all four i know some people don't like all four i like all four but they had that tv series now it was okay i watched it until like the third season when they like killed off Riggs. spoiler alert you know (laughs) but um it was all over uh, the news (laughs) yeah exactly but it wasn't anywhere near as good as the 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 films were like it it had its moments and i liked parts of it and i liked sort of new interpretation of the characters and stuff in terms of those first four films i mean lethal weapon one is up there with me for like die hard for christmas movies right and lethal weapon two i will always watch you know i i can quote those for hours on end so like if they made miami vice today i think you're right like it wouldn't be it would it was like almost in a perfect bubble right and i know they always keep talking about how they're gonna have like a revival of it and stuff and i'm like yeah. i'm like i mean i don't because they did that nash bridges revival and that was kind of rough with don johnson so i'm like this is gonna be the same way like i don't know you know they also want to do a lethal weapon five so again i'm like i don't know maybe you know sometimes it might just be good to let things let things rest where they where they sort of ended yeah and then also lethal weapon like i forgot when i watched it again like last year i was like oh this is dark like really oh yeah actually really going through it and they at least do kind of explore that up to like how the job affects your psyche and affects your mental health and isolates you from people and it's very hard to have that work-life balance when you have to keep that side of you hidden and like all the stressors mm-hmm. he's going through and i think also a veteran riggs was a, yes right? he was yeah. in the he was in the war as well yeah he was a yeah. uh, special forces yeah yeah so interesting like i think it was a way for the writers to talk about ptsd and mental health but not having what we have now of like a bigger discourse of it, like where you just kind of talk about these men and these characters who are broken and you give them a voice, but you can't really go into it as much as you would now. But also I think, you know, I don't think my advice will work now, not even just for cell phones and stuff. I just, I think that you can't get better than the casting. You can't also my Amy is completely changed. It's, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same. You know, you couldn't have, you know, cops running around in pastel suits. Like, it just wouldn't make sense. The music wouldn't be nearly as good, you no. know. I mean, I, I like some modern music, but I don't really want to see Miami Vice with, like, Doja Cat or something on in the background. Like, <laughs> I don't, I just really don't think that that would work well. It's not going to work. Think. Yeah, I think it's exactly right. Like, those, like the weapon, Miami Vice, like, things just need, not everything needs to be revived. 
Let's yes, make new I things. Agree. Let's yeah, exactly. New ideas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a no- novel concept, right? Like, let's come up with new ideas. <laughs> All right. So, not a lot of vice tea. Ted Nugent. That could just be a whole. <laughs> he, uh, the man has lived a life. He. Um, but I will say I really like hungry, um, Angry Young Man. I think that's, and I think also Little Miss Danger is also in the Miami Vice soundtrack too. Later on, yeah, uh, in the episode. I think so. I think it's later. I don't know if it, it's somewhere in season two. I know that I can't yeah. remember which episode. Interesting friend of the show. You know, I kind of like <laughs> was just like that's not the crossover I expected at the time. In the not nah, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know. It just feels like I, I mean, I wasn't alive in the eighties, but like it felt like everyone who wanted to be a part of Miami Vice or at all was like, let's do it. Like, let's like just do whatever. You know, Phil Collins, uh, Willie Ted Nugent, Nelson, you know, yeah. Willie Nelson. Yeah, Willie Nelson is like an old school Texas Ranger that has a heart problem. Like, you know what? Like, but it's like okay, it works. It's Miami Vice. Let's do it. So I love it. Yeah, Liam Neeson. Think- you know, the start yeah. of season three as well. Like first, I think that's one of his like first acting gigs ever. So like, just kind of crazy. But with social media, we can never get back that water cooler TV. Mm-hmm. Like even shows that are super popular, they're usually it's not the same kind of collective interest that would like amount to something like that. So that's also yeah. another reason. Why, like, Te- tele- television and movies have are no longer sort of the pinnacle of pop culture as much as that sucks, because like a movie would come out like Superman, the movie or lethal weapon or you know whatever it might be right and that was what everybody talked yeah. about you know they went and saw the goonies they went and saw back oh we saw back to the future and we want to get the like everyone talked about that right now it's not necessarily that or television anymore it's more of you know youtube or it's more of you know tiktok or these different things which i'm not dogging on by any means it's just kind of the 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 evolution of it so i don't think you know it definitely i don't think you would ever have I, I guess maybe the closest to water cooler might be like some of the HBO shows like Succession and things weekly? like that, Game of yeah. Thrones, Game of Thrones, things like that. I could see maybe, kind of Stranger Things maybe too um, that are like really like blew up, you know, um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think you would get that back any any other time. No. Or to have like all like celebrities wanting to be actively involved and it's like yeah. celebrities from all different walks of life. Because, yeah, Ted Nugent is not someone I would ever picture, but like he actually is great on this episode. <laughs> yeah. My it, notes I mean, are right? all like, yeah. Ted Nugent is kind of weirdly hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's got that, I mean, got the flowing hair. He's always showing his chest off. I mean, he's, he's got such shape. a, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. In, I, he's almost in better shape than Crockett, like, you know, yeah. in terms of like what he's got going on. I'm kind of like this. I don't know if you're like this. I kind of stopped separating, like, I just kind of keep separating the art from the artist. I know it sounds really bad. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because some of the DJs at work, like younger and older, older will always play like Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, and like stuff I haven't heard in a while. And I always love it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just such a generational divide. But it's it's very I do just kind of like to separate the art from the artist, because especially like also you look a lot of our famous actors have pretty sketchy personal lives. I'm like, ah, you know what? I just got to not absolving them of anything, but I just got to if I'm enjoying the music, I'm enjoying the music. I can't. I'm 100 percent with you. Yeah, I think, you know when I listen to something or I watch a movie, like a Woody Allen movie or something, right? Like, I don't know if he did anything, you know, the court said he didn't, whatever. Okay, cool. Like, that's not my business. But if I like the movie, I like the movie. Like, I don't think it takes away from their artistship. I just think it takes away from them personally. Yeah, and it's hard. Like, I own almost every single movie Charlie Sheen has been in. <laughs> right. I mean, the same thing too is, I mean, Tarantino, like, yeah. I love Tarantino as a filmmaker. I, you know, as a person, whatever, cool. I love him as a filmmaker. I just got his new book. It's actually back here. I was reading it a, a little bit ago, but like, 
you know, Harvey Weinstein produced like all of his films up until like once upon a time in Hollywood, but like nobody knew what was going on. Right. In that situation. But like, I'm not going to just discount all of the amazing work that he has done in his films up into that point. Right. So, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a shaky topic, but I mean, I totally, I'm on the same page with you. I totally get it. Yeah. Cause even to Nugent, like, especially like my views and also just being a vegetarian, but I'm like, God damn stranglehold mm-hmm. at like full blast at three in the morning. You're like, there is no better song. Absolutely not. And it's funny. One of my favorite Snapchats, I was getting my, I was getting my toes on a pedicure and I just put Tarantino vision. Because it was just like <laughs> that's perfect. That's that's yes. Anytime I see someone post picture of their feet, that's immediately what I that's what 100%. I think of. Or if they're just bare, if they're just barefoot in general, and it's a, and it's a woman, I'm typically like, oh, Tarantino would love this. Like, you know, just it's in the back of my head. So Callie, I'm not going to pronounce her um, name right, but her air, uh, name is Ariel Dombasla. Ariel D, beautiful woman, a really interesting life so famous singer in france actress like all over imdb except for miami vice and a few other things are all in france she was the granddaughter of the french ambassador to mexico so she was raised in mexico yeah. and went to like the super fancy uh lycee francais mexicano um mm-hmm. in mexico city i believe so like very interesting life and she still looks very similar today obviously she's aged a bit but she still has like that very beautiful like wide set eye look that i really appreciate and then albert hall our least favorite person dalva he was on a ton of stuff he was on 24 he was on apocalypse now ali mcbeal the practice matlock and it seems that he's retired as of imdb he didn't have anything after 2011 well hopefully in retirement he's he's learned how to chew gum a little bit softer maybe (laughs) and then um music obviously you know angry young man by ted nugent i totally forgot the name of the other song the sexy sax song i believe is Oh, Gato. It's Gato Barati, I believe. I'm I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Good memory. Wow, you are. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I've listened to the Miami Vice soundtrack quite a bit. (laughs) Yes, Europa. Earth's Cry, Heaven Smile by Gato Barbieri. Yeah, Um, I always say his last name, yeah. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. And then Cry by Godly and Cream, obviously incredibly epic. Surprisingly, it only reached 16 on the Hot 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting too. There's a song that's very similar to it, um, 10CC. So 10CC was a group, yes. and they actually have a song featured in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it's called Not, Not in Love. love. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that it, song. The beginning of it sounds very much like Cry, and that's because they're the Godly and Cream were two members of 10CC that broke off and did their own thing, and then they just like, I guess, kind of reused it or whatever. But yeah, just very interesting. Yeah, and then so they are British, and they only so they only reached 19 on the charts in the UK, which is interesting. So they did chart higher on the US charts, but I'm thinking that maybe it was so popular on MTV, but it just mm. didn't translate into Billboard because that video of like the transition of the faces that was completely unprecedented at the time. And like I remember mm-hmm. how iconic that video was growing up. Like you know, it would always be like the top 20 music videos of all time, and it would be that one it would be sledgehammer by peter gabriel it would be thriller like all these really like breaking groundbreaking videos and like yeah they really were able to use that transitional i'll find the proper name for it i'm gonna make a note for that use use proper terminology marina um so yeah i was oh i was just very surprised that it didn't reach number one yeah i don't know it could have been 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, the actual version that they released, like probably that the short version, I think is far is like not even as close as the one yeah. that they remixed for Miami Vice. So maybe if they released the Miami Vice one, it might have done better. Exactly. And I noticed it wasn't I don't believe it's on any of the soundtracks. I don't believe it's on any of the the two albums I have. So I was like, that's no, missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it's weird too, because those soundtracks they have like songs that didn't show up in Miami Vice on the, at least Miami Vice 2 like there's some songs that like never showed up in Miami never Vice showed up, like, yeah yeah like they were like custom rent for uh, like uh, created for the show and then they just like never used them now let's get into fashion so what were your favorite outfits from the episode <laughs> I mean definitely Crockett's at the end the yeah. white blazer the line like the lime kind of green uh, sort of Henley shirt he had going on the peri like the purple periwinkle the sort of pants uh i want to say it with the glasses obviously i think super iconic i think um that and i would say yeah i don't know i think that might be my favorite one i think callie had some good outfits i like callie's beach one with the like the that we mentioned before with the blue sort of wrap around and the 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 uh, silver um uh swimming suit that was good too and i think Tubbs rocks that blue shirt that he wears, that blue dress shirt in the episode when he's taking the phone call. He rocks that really well. He looks good in blue. It's good. Look. Really, he looks really good in jewel tones. I really like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Crockett 100% is best dressed. I also like the guy at the beginning with like the teal and the yellow pants. Guy, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Joe first Schmo guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, first cock. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I just have to say, Ted Nugent at the end with that blue blazer, I was like, he rocks it, man. Again, he's like 6'8, so I get it. Like, if we're. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he just like looks so confident, just like how he's strolling into the quarry sand. I, I, don't I was really just gonna say that. the the amount of the amount of I don't know masculinity or confidence in that quarry in that moment where Crockett's standing there and like it's just off the charts. Like it's just like it's it's boiling over and stuff. And two, if you watch back, I think on Ted Nugent's like inside of his jacket, you can almost see the mic. I think that they used to, to catch his, um, to catch his voice, I think, because it kind of blows a little bit further than I think they wanted it to. And you kind of almost see it. That's what also I was wondering, because it's so windy this entire episode. I was like, oh yeah, it must've been hell for the sound guys. Oh man. I was trying to think best decor. I think that's a lock for me. That's obviously going to be the palm tree bedpost. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent has to be. There's, there is no, there is no substitute. No, the palm tree bedpost for sure. For sure. Yeah. And the, and the hotel room, I think the, the, the hotel hallway more than the room. I yes, think the hallway the was no, much better. Yeah. Best dressed woman obviously is going to be Callie. And then any other final notes before we wrap this episode? I had a lot of fun. I mean, thank you for having me on. Thank you um, for joining us. You know, joining me. Hopefully, the, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, hopefully the hopefully the listeners like you know my uh, my insights, so to speak, and uh, you know like the sound of my voice more than I like the sound of my own voice. But yeah, just thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a, it oh was my a blast. God, of course. Is there anything you'd like to plug? No, I'm just you know I'm just a normal guy. I mean, I have uh, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Mr. Underscore Swinderman. If you want to shoot me a follow, I don't post a ton and stuff. But you know, I'm just a just a normal marketing guy who uh, works in New York City and who um, you know just likes Miami Vice a lot. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Hey man, Miami Vice is number one new show.